Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is episode five of The Place of Sound. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode, and thanks also to those who've been following along through the first few episodes of the show. For those who are listening for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space, or the social geography, using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media production formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits, or oral history style interviews that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to explore a particular place and that communicate the personal significance of that place according to the composer. And we typically end the episode with a short podcast, which comes in a variety of audio media formats, usually a host-led exploration of a given topic. And recently, that topic has been the idea of isolation which we know all too well as a result of our lockdown experience. These are the types of projects you can expect to hear on The Place of Sound, and all of them are produced by students here at Carleton University. They're what gets produced in Comms 4501 Digital Media Production, which is a fourth-year workshop course in the Communication and Media Studies program. In the last episode, we listened to some great projects by Megan Daher, Iman Hersey, Catherine Hammond, Hannah Calmisto, and Calvin Yu. We have another round of great projects this time as well, but before we listen to them, we'll pause for a quick announcement by Taya Gogan and Savannah Platt. Taya and Savannah are members of the Communication Undergraduate Student Society in Carleton's Bachelor of Communication program, also known as CUS. Taya is the president and Savannah the vice president, and both are fourth-year students in the program. They're going to take a minute to say a few words about CUSS, what it is, what it does, and if you're a communication student, how you might participate. Hi, my name is Taya. And I'm Savannah, and we're from the Carleton Communications Undergraduate Student Society, also known as CUSS. So you're probably wondering what CUSS is. It is a student society ran by students for students interested in the communications field. CUSS hosts events, a mentorship program, and opportunities to network. Some of the events that we host are the Comms Annual Gala, Pints with Profs, Mingling Events, and Professional Development Workshops. This year, CUSS held the first annual Black Communicators Conference, focused on highlighting the voices and experiences of Black individuals working in the communications field. CUSS also has a mentorship program, which pairs first and second year students with third and fourth year students. I was a part of the mentorship program myself during my first and second year as a mentee, and it was really helpful during my first couple of years of my university transition. My mentor helped navigate me through school life, course recommendations, and was a friend to add to my network. I was also a mentor during my third and fourth year and gained valuable leadership skills to add to my resume. CUSS has been a huge part of Savannah and I's undergraduate degree, allowing us to grow as students and as working professionals. CUSS is a great way to get involved, meet new people, and gain soft skills to add to your resume. If this is something that interests you, 
Be sure to follow us on our social media at Carlton Cuss and stay up to date with our new and exciting events coming to you in the new school year. As Taya and Savannah mentioned, if you're a communication and media studies student, it'd be worth staying up to date with what Cuss has planned. They do some excellent programming through the school year, and it's a great way to get involved with your peers in a meaningful way. Okay, on to the projects. In this episode, we'll listen to an audio portrait, a soundscape composition, and a podcast. Three projects in total. The audio portrait is by Claudia Gleason and is on the topic of home. Claudia's project features her friend Emily, who speaks about home as something that's always in flux, always changing. The soundscape composition is by Junique Gooden, and the podcast is by Xiao Tao Zhang, and both projects are reflections on their pandemic experiences. Janique's composition makes use of environmental sound, which is an important element of soundscape composition, but it emphasizes the vocal narrative by performing spoken words inspired by the onset of our first lockdown one year ago. Xiao Tao follows this up by narrating his experience of having his flight to Beijing redirected to Xi'an, where he spent 14 days quarantining in a hotel before he was allowed to return home. Claudia will introduce her project herself, but I'll jump back in to introduce Junique and Xiao Tao's work before we listen to it. Claudia, over to you. Hi, my name is Claudia Gleason, and I'm a fourth year communications and media student at Carleton University. For this audio portrait, I chose to interview my friend Emily, as we had previously spoken on topics pertaining to religion, home, and family. Over the next couple of minutes, it will become increasingly clear that the only constant for Emily is that home is continuously shape-shifting, adapting, and evolving. The idea of home is something that has evolved over time. Growing up in Indonesia, home was wherever I was with my family. From there, I would say home evolved into the building that I grew up in, in Napanee. At that time also, we were very a part of a Christian community, a Christian church there. That was definitely something that I would consider home or like an extension of family. We were part of the youth group and went to the services every Sunday. I sang on the choir, that kind of thing. So that was a big part of what I would consider home when I think back on those times. I think that my understanding of church and religion really tie into my foundations of understanding my identity and my understanding of home. The people that I went to church with every Sunday for all those years and the people I volunteered with, the kids that I taught in Sunday school, all those people kind of made up my family at the time. It was that idea of shared values and shared spirituality that really made us feel uh, tight-knit, like we had something important in common. And I think that's a big part of what home means to me, that shared investment in something and in each other. Parts of who I am now didn't really fit into that idea, so... For example, my queerness, which is a big part of who I am and 
being out is a big part of what I consider home. That wasn't something that was acceptable. There wasn't room for that in my life growing up in this church family. When I go home now, I think it's not so much that there's a part of me that I'm hiding, but that there are different parts of me that show or that shine brighter. My family is still very religious, and I consider myself to not be religious. So going home, there's obviously this missing connect in some ways where we don't have that shared value anymore, that shared investment. So the different parts of me that shine through are maybe the investment in each other or investment in uh, loving each other better or loving people in general well. I think the parts of me like my queerness are still very real, but they don't have as much of a place in that kind of setting as they would on my own in my life here in Ottawa, perhaps. I love thinking about what I'm going to do when I have a family of my own in terms of what home will look like. I think there's a lot of, you know, traditions that I grew up with that I'll want to keep with me. Some underlying themes or values that I grew up with that I want to pass on to my children. In terms of religion, I don't want to be someone who dictates what my children believe in any way. But that also means that I don't want them to feel like they have to have no religion like their mom. I had a therapist when I was younger. And the one thing that I took away from that was when she said, the I is the home, which means that you are the only thing that you take with you. You and who you are and your identity is the thing that you have to make sure that you are most happy with and that you find the most joy in. So for me, that's been really important part of my journey as I try to figure out where my home is. The following piece is by Janique Gooden and is titled The Day the Earth Stood Still. It's a piece that Janique produced as the city of Ottawa and much of the world for that matter began closing down in March of last year. It's a piece that helped Janique think through what it was that we were collectively going through at that moment, and in many ways, we're still going through today. Janique borrows from the genre of soundscape composition in order to give life to her ideas, but it's her spoken word performance that really drives the piece. Enjoy. The day the earth stood still. The streets were bare as cars remained in their driveways. Stores that were dark are only filled with the light of the sun and moon. Packed public spaces turned to scarce empty lots. And homes remained lit all day and night. Slowly but surely, nature made its way out from the shadows and reclaimed the space that humans no longer occupy. Walking along the wooden bridge, making my way to see nature at its core. Passing by the lonely brown bench that sits between 
the path to nowhere and the bridge to civilization. The howling wind and trees swaying as spring comes into effect. The sounds of a grass that crush beneath my feet as the April showers have watered it the night before. The rushing water through the small creek, crashing against rocks, making their way to the canal to spread across oceans. The woodpecker drilling away for their next meal that hides behind the tough bark of blooming trees. Colorful birds flying and jumping branch the branch, singing in all of their glory of how the humans have gone away. As nature begins to thrive again, moving freely across skies, ground, and waters, it's apparent that nature is coming back again. Humans become the ones that are trapped in cages like rocks beneath the bridge that once carried many from one destination to the other. Creatures that were once hushed by the city streets, abruptness of construction, and the chaos of humans now flourish during the stillness of the earth finding beauty in the vastness of nature despite its chaos that silenced the earth is one of the positives of staying at home. The earth begins to replenish itself. Nature regrows its green and all creatures are free again. For so long, the earth was gasping for air as pollution sat heavy, burning, in its lungs, filling up with dark oil. Nature cried. Its beautiful tresses were cut and sold to the highest bidder, and the creatures all hid in the shadows, trying to avoid destruction that was on the doorstep of their homes. One of my hopes after this unusual time is that people begin to realize how happy the earth has been without our presence. How it thrived, sang, and untroubled it was without the constant manipulation of its frame. But Earth is a business. Benefits outweigh the risk, and it thinks it can harvest without water. Till the Earth starts moving again, may nature and all of its living creations Enjoy its freedom as human occupation disrupts nature and all of its beauty. And the last piece for this episode is by Xiao Tao Zhang. It's titled Life in Quarantine, and in it, Xiao Tao recounts his experience traveling home to Beijing from Ottawa 
in the midst of the pandemic. Because flights weren't being accepted directly to Beijing at the time, Xiaotao was redirected to Xi'an, where he quarantined in a hotel for 14 days before being allowed to travel home. This piece is a reflection on that experience. It's Xiaotao here in Beijing, and welcome back to another episode of the show. We're in December now, and that means we're finally approaching to the end of 2020. I'm sure 2020 has been a difficult year, a tough year for a lot of people, because of the outbreak of the coronavirus, which already caused more than 1.5 million deaths around the globe now. So many people's life routine has been changed because of what we call the new normals in 2020, which include practice social distancing, work from home, wear a mask, and so on. Isolation has become a trend word in 2020. We're talking about both physical isolation and social isolation. In today's episode, I want to share a story of mine, a unique isolation experience when I came back from Ottawa in June this year. If you don't know already, I'm an international student and I come back home to China every summer. I booked a flight for April this year and was planning to come back after I finished all my final exams this year as well. But the unexpected outbreak of the virus changed that. Because China announced the international flight restriction in March, my original flight got cancelled and it was rescheduled in late May. At that time, China also has implemented the inbound traveler quarantine policy. All the international flights to Beijing were being redirected to one of the other cities as what they called the first point of entry. Travelers were subjected to a 14-day mandatory quarantine in that city. They also needed to test twice negative for the virus so they can proceed to Beijing after the mandatory isolation. My flight was redirected to Xi'an, one of those first point of entry cities. flight arrived at the airport at around 8 p.m. All the passengers on the flight got tested for the virus after we landed. We were being transported to one of the assigned quarantine hotels in the city. I've been hearing some of my friends who came back earlier than me saying that the isolation hotel condition was pretty bad because the hotel was randomly assigned, so I was hoping I could get a nice and clean one since I have to stay there for two weeks. By the time I arrived at the hotel, it was already 2 a.m. the next day. Each passenger was assigned to a different room. Luckily, this was a five-star hotel located in the downtown area. Honestly, I was excited to see the room was clean, but once the quarantine started, I realized it wasn't what I expected. Life in this quarantine was completely different from my previous days in Ottawa. The biggest difference here was this quarantine is mandatory and I had no choices. In Ottawa, we were asked to avoid going out unnecessarily, but I was still able to go to the grocery store once or twice a week to get some necessities. 
take a walk near my apartment building to breathe some fresh air. But during this quarantine, I wasn't even allowed to step out of my room. Being confined in such a tight space for 14 straight days brought me anxiety and loneliness. Sometimes I really felt like I was living like a prisoner in the cell. There's no freedom here. I was not allowed to order food from local restaurants. Instead, what I got was a small table in front of my room. When breakfast, lunch, and dinner time approached, the hotel staff in protective suit would deliver the food to my door for me to pick up. And obviously, the food there wasn't the best. There was a snack menu provided by the hotel that we can purchase some extra food and drinks, but they were insanely overpriced. Every morning around 10 a.m., the medical team would do a room check for every room. They will ask some questions about my body condition and they will also do a body temperature check to ensure that I have no symptoms. I wasn't able to see anyone else physically throughout the 14-day isolation besides the hotel staff and the medical team. Even I spent most of the time staying at home in Ottawa before I left, I still had friends live with me. But in that hotel room, I was all alone by myself. Xi'an gets really hot during the summer, but we weren't allowed to use the AC in the room because the central air conditioner will ventilate the air across different rooms. So if unfortunately one of the passengers got the virus, it had the risk to spread to everyone in the building. For that reason, the room temperature during those two weeks was averaging over 28 degrees Celsius. I was literally sweating when I was sitting in the room. Since the hotel locates in one of the most busiest locations in Xi'an, about 10 minute walk away from the rail station, there were a lot of people on the street at night. I loved opening the windows in my room, not only to get some fresh air into the room, but also to hear the sound of human beings and the sound of the city. Contrast to the silence in my room, those sounds are so close and familiar to me since I can literally see what is happening out there through the windows, but at the same time, they're so further away from me because I've been confined in this hotel room. It was at that moment reminds me all the good memories. I miss the normal days, the days before 2020 when everything was fine. I miss the days going to a football match. The days going to the cinema, the days going to my favorite restaurant, or even the days as normal as walking on the street without wearing a face mask. I missed every single day that everyone used to take for granted. I missed the feeling of freedom. It was also this quarantine that made me realize how important our social media is because that was the only way for me to stay connected with the rest of the world. It was my only weapon against loneliness. 
Although people have been saying so many bad things about social media nowadays, it was those video callings I made with my parents, messages I sent to my friends, and so many times I saw others post that everyone is staying strong. All of these helped me been through this tough time, altogether. By the time I finished my quarantine, I got the chance to chat with one of the staff there. She told me that all the staff there had to wear protective suits for four to five hours every day just to deliver food to every one of us, and make sure when we ask for anything, they are there to help. As I said before, I was sweating even when I sat in my room doing nothing. Just imagine how hot wearing an airtight suit for five hours straight will be. She also told me that she would be staying there for a month. Every single day in the quarantine hotel, the staffs had the risk of contracting the virus, but none of them complains anything about it. Every staff was risking their own life to protect our safety. All I had were respect and appreciation for them. Now look back to me sacrifice two weeks of my freedom for the safety of the country. The safety of everyone is nothing much. Instead, that's everyone should do during this hard time. I have to admit that this quarantine experience was tough and difficult, but it was a very unique and memorable one at the same time. I have absolutely no reason, and I shouldn't complain about anything, just because I've seen so many people risk their lives to help people like me to go back home. It was all the coronavirus helpers, the medical teams, together with a strict quarantine policy, resulted in China being the most effective and successful country in battling the coronavirus. Thank you to everyone who helped, and is helping to stop the spread of COVID-19. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. I hope you are having a great day. And make sure you're wearing a mask and staying safe. I'll see you next time. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of the Place of Sound. I hope you've enjoyed some of the stories you heard. And I can promise that there's so much more just like this in future episodes. To hear them, tune into CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6:30 p.m. Browse the archive on ckcufm.com, or visit the website at theplaceofsound.ca.